Hello and welcome. You are listening to Embodied Curiosity. In this show, we will explore self-compassion and holistic health through the lens of embodiment, intuition, nature connection, and neuroscience. I'm your host, Michaela, and I'm so excited for you to join me. Hey, welcome back. I have been rereading one of my favorite books, Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. This book has been so impactful in my life, and I wanted to share my thoughts and insights as I read through each chapter. This is set up sort of like a virtual book group, so feel free to get a copy of the book and follow along with me. I also uploaded video versions of these episodes on my YouTube channel. You can find my channel by just searching my name, Michaela Rands, or you can click the link in the description. I hope you gain some insights as I share my process with the stories in this powerful little book. Hey, it's me again, Michaela. I'm here to talk more about one of my favorite books, Women Who Run With the Wolves. And you probably noticed if you're watching the video version of this that I'm wearing a funny onesie. Um, This is my selkie onesie. It looks like a seal. And today's chapter is about the Selkie story. So it's definitely one of my favorites. It just like brings me so much joy to read this chapter and to tell you about it. The name of this chapter is Homing, Returning to Oneself. And it's the ninth chapter in this book. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna just summarize the story uh, that the author tells in this chapter. And then I'm just gonna discuss some of the the archetypes and symbols that are in the story. And at the end, I'm gonna share some journal prompts for you if you'd like to take this further. So I think I'll start by just sharing a quick summary of the main story in this chapter, which is called Seal Skin, Soul Skin. And it's based on a story that shows up in lots of different cultures around the world. Uh, They tend to be cold places that are near the sea and places where seals live. So it's about this concept or this um, symbol of a seal that also is a human. And in this case, the seal is a woman and the women can take their seal skin off and become a human. Um, but then they put their seal skins back on and they jump back into the sea. So the story starts with a lonely man that lives in one of these cold places by the sea. Uh, and he's out fishing and he sees a group of women out on a rock and their skin looks so beautiful and milky white and they're dancing and laughing and singing and he's so drawn to them because he's so lonely. So he goes up closer to them and he ends up grabbing one of their seal skins. And one by one, as they put their seal skins back on, there's one woman left who can't find her seal skin. And the lonely man reveals himself and he basically bargains with her. He says, come with me, be my wife, and I'll give you your seal skin back in seven years. And the woman reluctantly really has no choice but to go with the man. So she goes with him, they get married, they end up having a child. She raises this child and tells the child stories of her home in the sea and all of the creatures that live there. And the child grows up with the lonely man as his father and the seal woman as his mother. 
the woman starts to really have a lot of health problems. She starts to become really dried up and her skin is super dry and cracked and she's super frail. She's limping and her health is not doing well. And she knows she needs to go back to the sea and the seven years come and go and the lonely man will still not return her seal skin. So one night while the child is sleeping, he hears his parents arguing and you can hear the seal woman pleading for her seal skin back. The man says she is bad for wanting to leave him and their son, but off they go into the night and the child is sitting there wondering what to do next. He actually hears a voice. He hears something calling his name from the sea. So he goes to the sea and there he finds his mother's seal skin. And he takes the seal skin, he goes to the sea and he finds his mother and gives her her seal skin. So he's the one that finds the seal skin. And there with his mother is another seal, an older seal, who is actually his mother's father. So they end up going, the three of them, down into the sea. The mother helps her child breathe under the sea and they go down and the child is welcomed into his seal family and kind of learns about this family. But he can only stay for a short time because he's a human and he can't breathe underwater. So eventually the child has to go back up to the topside world and the mother has to stay. So for a moment they have a sad goodbye and parting, um, but the boy grows up to have a really strong connection with the sea and with his mother and they visit often and the boy grows up to be a musician and a creative and shares his songs with the world. So you can see the three main characters in this story are the lonely man, the seal woman, and the child. And the author compares these to three major aspects of the psyche. The man being the ego, the seal woman being the soul, and the child being the spirit. All of these parts existing in one woman's psyche. And one of the main themes of this story is the losing of one's pelt. And in this case, the pelt represents sort of the soul home. And the question begs is, what does it look like to lose your pelt in real life? So I'm going to share a quote. We lose the soul skin by becoming too involved with ego, by being too exacting, perfectionist, or unnecessarily martyred, or driven by a blind ambition, or by being dissatisfied about self, family, community, culture, world, and not saying or doing anything about it, or by pretending we are an unending source for others, or by not doing all we can to help ourselves. So as you can see, there's lots of ways that you can interpret the losing of the pelt or losing of the, the soul skin, in this case, the seal skin. And in her description, she talks about the seal skin and the soul skin as being synonymous with this feeling of home. And she talks about how intuitively we know that most animals, like wild animals, need a habitat that feels like home, that feels safe to them. Uh, for example, she brings up animals in the zoo and how no matter if all their needs are met, they still get really depressed and lose their appetite and libido because they're not really in their actual home, in their soul home. Another big theme in this story is the lonely man, and he represents the ego. She talks about how in life, the ego sort of runs the show, especially in early life. And we sort of let the ego be in charge and keep us safe. But that hopefully, eventually, we will let the soul lead and demote the ego to sort of more of a supportive role. But in the meantime, the ego has an important role. The mundane function of the soul's subservience to the ego occurs in order for us to learn the world, the ways to gain things, how to work, how to differentiate good from not so good, when to move, when to stay put, how to live with other people, 
learning the mechanics of culture, holding a job, holding a baby, taking care of the body, taking care of business, all of the things of the outer life. So as you can see, the ego is still a really important aspect to hold on to, and that's why we put it in charge. But as you can see from the story, the ego can also steal the soul home from the soul. And that is where the spirit child comes in. So a lot of times spirit and soul seem like synonymous, but in this story, they're separate entities. So the soul is really that underworld being and the spirit child is actually the in-between, the piece that kind of translates between the soul and the ego. The spirit child is the one who finds the seal skin and gives it back to his mother. The spirit child is able to travel to the underworld and understand the soul, but cannot stay. The soul, on the other hand, cannot stay in the earthly plane for very long. So they both go back and forth and can exist in multiple planes, but end up having to stay in one or the other. Now, it's important to talk about the drying out and crippling aspect of the story, where the soul or the seal woman is really failing in her health. And what does that look like in our life? The dried out and crippled feeling is often what we call burnout. And sometimes it doesn't really make sense. Like it feels like everything should be working and we're doing what we thought we wanted to be doing. But for some reason, we just feel burnt out, feel overwhelmed, feel exhausted, and we need to take a break. And that is when we hear the call. So in the story, there's a call to the spirit child from the old seal. That is a call that I'm sure we are all super familiar with. It's that kind of daydreaming desire to leave your situation or to travel the world or to go on a retreat or to go on a vacation or just to sleep all day. And these are signs that there's a lot of burnout. She talks a lot about burnout in this chapter and how it can show up in so many different ways in a woman's life and how important it is to really heed that call to go to your soul home. And you're probably wondering, what does that soul home even look like? And the nice thing is it's different for everyone and you might already have something in mind that will really give you that feeling of home, but just know that home means many different things to many different women. She says briefly that home is where a thought or feeling can be sustained instead of being interrupted or torn away from us because something else is demanding our time and attention. And a lot of times in order to find this home, you need to find solitude. And she talks a lot about solitude and what that means and how it could be something different for everyone and that you can even find solitude in a crowded room, that it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're all alone, but that you can just develop a practice of just going inward and just being with yourself and cutting out all distractions or nagging thoughts or to-do lists or people that need you, finding that just quick moment even, or an hour or a weekend or a month, whatever it is that you feel you need, finding that space of solitude that really feels safe and grounding. And she brings up that this has been an important aspect of being a woman for all of time. And often uh, one of the best times to take this time alone is during your moon cycle. And she brings up how in some anthropology texts, they talk about how the tribe will send the women away when they're on their moon. She makes a joke about how we were happy to go <laughs> because it was giving us that time that we really needed where we weren't needed by everyone and everything and that we could just rest or just meditate or just be with our thoughts and daydream and commune with the soul, you know, bringing back inspiration, bringing back rejuvenation and all of the things that you need when you're feeling burnt out. So as I'm talking, you might be already thinking of times when you've had this experience where you felt burnt out and you got to have this little piece of home. 
Um, but she gives some suggestions of practices that you could try. So I'll read that. How does one call upon the soul? There are many ways through meditation or in the rhythms of running, drumming, singing, writing, painting, music making, visions of great beauty, prayer, contemplation, rite and ritual, standing still, even entrancing moods and ideas. All are psychic summons that call the soul up from its dwelling place. And in the story, this looks like the spirit child, the spirit child visiting the sea, the spirit child using his creative powers to drum and play music and to channel the soul's messages to the earth plane. And I just love how this story just perfectly depicts this cycle that we all are familiar with of just having the ego too much in the lead and kind of burning ourselves out on a soul level and needing that time, that new perspective or that solitude, that time without distraction is really what it is. And for me, uh, it's been great to just have that be a part of my morning and just starting my morning, not turning on my phone and just completely going inward and just doing whatever I feel like inspired to do. And a lot of times that looks like journaling or meditating or maybe a little bit of breath work or yoga. So those are the things for me that work, but that brings me to the journal prompts that I came up with. So the first one I wanted to start with is, can you think of a time when you were burnt out and heard the call to go home? And my answer to that right now is definitely like the most recent thing that I've been going through, which is just being a teacher for the last 13 years and feeling so torn because I just really love the work and I love the kids. And for what felt like no reason at all, I was just simply feeling burnt out. And there was really nothing I could do but walk away. But there's been lots of smaller moments in my life where I just feel a little bit of burnout and I just need to take that little rest. And whenever I feel like I'm in one of those places, I come back to this chapter and it really helps remind me of how vital and important it is to take that break. My second journal prompt is, how did it feel when you had to return to the topside world? And in the story, I forgot to mention, but she does say that the spirit child does feel a lot of sadness when having to leave the soul mother. And that's what this prompt is kind of referring to, that sadness you might feel after having that time alone and having that solitude and having to go back to the mundane world. And the first thing that comes to mind for me is we always call it default world. And when you go to something like Burning Man and you're just immersed in this amazing experience of people being fully expressed and people really looking you in the eye and greeting you and feeling like you're really home and then having to come back and go back to your job and go back to the grocery store and go back to these mundane habits where there's a lot less life and vibrancy and there is this sadness, almost like a post high depression but I do find that that depression really does pass, especially if you've had a good enough break and you really do feel rejuvenated. A lot of times I wait until I really do feel called to go back and that way I can really dive in fully with my full heart behind it. And my last prompt, which I've sort of already touched on, is what are your go-to practices for finding your soul home, your seal skin, or your solitude? So like I said, for me, it's always this morning practice and a really big one for me is journaling. I feel like journaling, my hand just becomes sort of a channel and I can just pull things out of what I feel like is my soul space and give myself the guidance, answer any questions, find the depths of some of my wounds and some of my traumas. And journaling for me is, has really helped me with that, but also movement and just being in my body and being in the present moment, just gentle yoga and stretching and finding stuck spots in my body where the energy isn't moving 
those are some of the practices that seem to really help me feel that rejuvenation and really lessen the feeling of burnout when I'm feeling burnt out. But I'm also curious because I'd love to have more practices like this. What are some ways that you have found to find your soul home? I hope that all made sense. I am feeling a little scattered today, so sorry if it was all over the place, but this chapter is sort of short and sweet. So if you're looking for a really nice place to start, if you're feeling a little bit of this burnout or this dried up feeling um, where you haven't really touched base with your soul home in a while, I recommend reading this chapter. It does really make a really good case for why it's so important. Um, no matter how many things you have going on, no matter how many people need you and how many voices are kind of sounding the alarm in your life, <laughs> I think it's still important and not necessarily selfish because it's so helpful when you can come back refreshed and rejuvenated. You can give so much more to the people that need you. So I really urge you to read this chapter and to find that time to find a place that you can go, whether it's in your house or in your room or in nature, or if you need to go on a vacation, whatever it is that you are feeling called to do, I recommend taking your journal out and just kind of writing out some of those ideas so that they're not just floating in your head and maybe seeing which ones really light you up and which ones you can really make happen and trusting that this is gonna be such an important gift to everyone around you when you can really take that time to be in solitude and to be refreshed and to feel like you can bring your whole soul and all of your creativity and all of your gifts to the world around you. So yeah, thank you so much for listening to this and for following along with me on this journey. I definitely recommend picking up a copy of this book. I'll put the link down in the description and feel free to answer those journal prompts um, and participate in this discussion if you feel so called. And I will get started on the next chapter right away. So thank you again. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Embodied Curiosity. I hope you picked up some valuable insights to inspire you to stay curious and embodied.